Hola, compañeros. It's time for the Spaghetti Westerns podcast with your hosts, Senor J. Jennings e Tom Betts. Well, hi, everybody. It's high noon, and uh, I'm Jay Jennings, Spaghetti Westerns uh, poster and film collector. I'm Tom Betts. And he's a Spaghetti Westerns historian. And we're here for another thrilling episode of the Once Upon a Time in Spaghetti Westerns podcast. And we're glad all of you can join us uh, on Facebook, YouTube, and later, of course, on Apple uh, Podcast and Spotify and Anchor and around the world. Uh, we're here at the same uh, time every week live. And of course, we're archived if you can't catch us live. Today's a special episode, Tom. Been getting a lot of fan mail to do uh, Mr. Gemma. Yep. And uh, you have him behind you. Is, was the funeral just uh, happening, the procession? There he is. You got... <laughs> we, we lost him way too early to a, to a horrible yeah. accident. He probably would have done the show, Tom. Yeah, he probably would. Right. I would have said, wanted. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we're going to talk about the films, the spaghetti westerns of uh, Giuliano Gemma. Sometimes Gemma, but uh, we learned the, pr the pronunciation is Gemma. So Tom, uh, he had a great career. Some of his films weren't that great near the end. All of them were mostly uh, at the beginning, although you seem to think that uh, California and Silver Saddle were still pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like all those actors in that time period, he started out small roles, got big, came into the, the 70s and started making buddy films and comedies, and his career started to tail off like everybody else in the genre, and then he picked up late. Right. Uh, too late. I mean, not too late for him. It reestablished his career, but it was too late in the genre. The genre died after that. So. Right. But uh, you could say he is in a couple... Uh, I guess near the end, he was one of the few people to be in a spaghetti western, just like uh, Tony Anthony was. Right. I, th I think one thing in his advantage was he always had that boyish face. So from for 20 years, he basically looked the same. He was always clean shaven. Uh, so you didn't see gray in his beard or his hair. And uh, that, that made him look fresh even in the late 70s. Yeah. And I mean, he's in a lot of classics, Arizona Colt, Wanted. Uh, uh, Ringo, the two Ringo films, yeah, two Ringo films, and um, a whole bunch of others. And yeah, he was one of those guys that <clears throat> was more of a clean cut guy. He really, you know, like he didn't curse. He's like the, almost like the almost like the John Wayne of uh, spaghetti westerns. I, I, I always thought, think of him as like the Audie Murphy. True, the tall, Western. the tall Audie Murphy. Yeah, tall Audie Murphy, but clean shaven. Always basically looked the same in most of his movies. Right. And uh, once you saw one of Gemma's movies, you basically knew what the rest were going to be like. But, and everybody has a favorite. Yeah. Which is, oh, I, yeah. I like Arizona Colt and Wanted. Uh, yep. those, those are my two. What are yours, Tom? Um, Arizona Colt, which is The Man from Nowhere. I think that's the first one I ever saw him in. Because I didn't see the, the Ringo movies until they came out on DVD. But the oh, other okay. one I love is, uh, well, Price of Power is another one that gets uh, talked about, but very few people have seen it. But Days of Vengeance is my favorite, where he starts out in prison, and he looks like Tomas Melian with the long hair and a beard. Right. He's almost unrecognizable, you know. Right. Well, I think I like Wanted because of the shot of him holding the two pistols. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so we're going to give a little background first. Tom is going to uh, tell us uh, 
his beginnings, and then we'll go through his films. Uh, Giuliana Gemma was born in Rome on September 2nd, 1938. During his youth, he was playing in a field during World War II when he found a device that exploded in his face, which caused several wounds. One of them remained visible as a scar on his left cheek the rest of his life. At the age of 12, he discovered gymnastics, and when he was 16, he learned boxing. While also swimming and riding horses later, he took up parachuting and mountain climbing and did so into his 70s. As a child, Gemma knew most Italian and American actors by name and imitated them when he was playing with his friends. His favorite actor was Burt Lancaster. He had his first acting experience as an actor in commercials and got his first contract in Chinachita as a stuntman in sword and sandal movies. Like many Italian stuntmen, he was also an extra in Hollywood productions shot at Chinachita. In Ben-Hur, he was a Roman uh, in a bathhouse scene. In 1960, on the set of Messalina, he met and befriended second unit director Ducio Tassari, who would give him his first leading part in Arevano e Tatari, 1962. Tassari would go on to direct both Ringo movies. The immense success of those Ringo movies and One Silver Dollar made him one of the most popular actors in Italy. He was usually cast as a character halfway between Hollywood and Cinecita, a lethal but clean-shaved and well-dressed rascal who usually got the girl in the end. After Sergio Carbucci's Django, Franco Nero would take over as Italy's most popular Western star. Some of the movies he made in the second stage of his acting career were Trinity-inspired buddy movies such as Alive or Preferably Dead and The Ballad of Ben and Charlie. Gemma made a glorious comeback as Italy's leading man of Western movies during the relatively short period of the so-called Twilight Spaghettis in films like California and Silver Saddle. Few people knew that as a child, Gemma used to work with clay and wood, and this hobby became a profession between movies. He used to study in the famous studios of the great Maestri di Arte, from Firenze and Rome. And in the course of the years, he was, had established his name as a sculptor with a series of exhibitions in major Italian cities. Giuliana Gemma died following a car accident in Severteri, a small town about 25 miles northwest of Rome on October 1st, 2013. He was taken to a hospital in Cittavecchia, but died shortly after his arrival. He is survived by his second wife, Baba Ricciermi, and two daughters, Juliana and Vera. Yeah, that, that's a terrible thing, uh, that accident. Yeah, I've it's looked amazing. into it to Some... see if there's any fault given, and there really wasn't. I know it was on a curve, and one car pulled out in front of the other, but uh, who who was at fault or whatever, they don't blame put any blame to. Yeah, just another tragic death yep. in the, in the uh, history of Spaghetti Westerns. I mean, not self-inflicted, of course, due to drugs or alcoholism right. or or speeding or whatever. I, I right, remember, but, Jay, when it came on Facebook in the middle of the afternoon because it was probably late evening in Italy, and I, I just sat there and looked. I couldn't believe it. it. has to be a fake. You know, it's got to be false news, fake news. And I looked it up on a Google Italian, and sure enough, he had passed away. Yeah, that that's sad. But anyway, we're here to honor uh, Giuliano Gemma, and uh, some of the great films that he made. We're taking a look at some of his photos from different roles. And uh, some were, as I said, were better than others, but he always played kind of the same laid back, 
Uh, I, I would say some, would you say in, in a way a little bit goofy, Tom? Yeah, he always played. I think he, that was part of his charisma. Is his that he charm, played, yeah. yeah, his charm that he played this guy that wasn't too bright, or uh, but but really inside the, the wheels were clicking all the time. Oh, of course. I mean, and then the, the film he made with uh, Lee Van Cleef, Tom, Dave Anger. Yeah. I mean that that basically epitomizes kind of the goofy gunslinger. Yeah, Scott Mary. Yeah, <laughs> he He's goes probably under too his old wing. for that role, but he could pull it off. Right, exactly. He's also very dirty in that film. Oh, yeah. His clothes. I think he was doing a <laughs> uh, a Trinity impression. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to go through uh, Giuliano's uh, career, uh, his uh, Spaghetti Western career, I guess, from the beginning uh, all the way to the end. We're just going to take a look at a couple more portraits. As a nice looking fella. Uh, yep. Was he married to the same woman? Though his, uh, he was uh, married once before. Okay. Uh, but that's that's Silver Saddle, so you can still see how good-looking he was and young he was in 78. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and is that the scar you were talking about, Yeah, Tom? that's a scar right on his, below his left eye there, yep. Right. Some some yeah. scenes it's more prevalent uh, than others. But, uh, yeah, it, it, you're right, and sometimes, I don't think they ever took advantage of it. I don't think they, maybe they should have made him do a role where it, they basically just featured it like a Scarface uh, yeah. character. Right. But I guess you don't want to take it away from the Jose Tehran's of the world, Tom. <laughs> well, yeah, and he, he never covered it up, so it wasn't like he tried to hide or was embarrassed about it, you know. Right. And as I said, he had nice charisma. You saying he was the Audie Murphy of Spaghetti Westerns? Uh, yeah, basically. Well, his, his athleticism in these films is what stands out. Because he was a master with twirling the gun and doing all kinds of tricks with it, but he'd do all kinds of scenes off a horse of back and jumping off of the tops of buildings and things like that. Because he'd probably very seldom used a stunt double unless it was something that uh, they felt was really dangerous. Yeah, well, that was unusual because a lot of them used uh, stunt doubles. Yep. Because they didn't want to get hurt. So I guess we're gonna start showing the uh, the films, the spaghetti westerns of. Uh, Giuliano uh, Gemma and uh, the first one what do we have Tom what was his first one it was actually not bad at all right adios gringo right and that's another one I didn't see till later on but it was a 65 Italian Spanish French co-production directed by George Finley who's actually Giorgio Stagani and this one is about Brett Landers who's Gemma unknowingly buys a herd of stolen cattle from an old friend Gil Clausen played by Nello Pazzafini. And apparently Pazzafini and Gemma were really good friends because Pazzafini appears in almost every single Gemma movie. It's sort of like Lee Van Cleef and Romano Pupo. And they had great fights in most of their films, so uh, they used that to their advantage. Anyways, when Landers rides into town, he's accused of theft by the rightful owner of the herd, Clayton Ranchester, played by Pierre Crisoy. When he's almost lynched, he shoots and kills Ranchester and runs for his life. He is now wanted by the law and must find the real cattle thief, Clausen, to prove his innocence. Coming across Lucy Tilson, which is Evelyn Stewart, who has been raped and left in the desert to die, he rescues her and takes her to Doc Barfield, played by Roberta Camardiel, to recover. Brent can't go to the Sheriff Slaughter, can't go to Sheriff Slaughter, played by Jesus Puente, because he wants to collect the reward on his head. Brett is faced with protecting Lucy, finding the cattle thief, and most most of all, staying alive. 
Uh, this was one of the first spaghetti westerns to use the falsely accused theme where the hero has to escape from the law to prove his innocence. It would be used countless times in the years ahead, although an early entry into the genre and looking very American in style, Adios Gringo has enough pasta touches to please spaghetti uh, purists. Right. Now, this was uh, his first Western, and he was billed as Montgomery Wood. Right, Tom? Uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. No, he first, he, he, you know, he went by his, real, by his real name at first. Oh, that's right. Okay, sorry. Jumped the gun. But you'll tell us why, though, later on, why he, he was also billed as Montgomery Wood. Yeah. <laughs> Just like a lot of stars had different names. Um, Montgomery Ford was uh, Brett Halsey, Tom. Yeah, they, they used that, that Montgomery and the Wood thing. Robert Wood says they took it from him because of his success, early success, that they copied the Wood, which it could be. But anyways, maybe they this did, is, maybe uh, they didn't, right, Tom? This was this is on DVD. It's not on Blu-ray. It's just on DVD, and it was the third highest-grossing picture of the year in Italy. So that's okay. how he got a great start on his career. Every, everybody likes to tell a story, right, Tom? Sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so after um, after uh, oh, a pistol for Ringo, he did the Return of Ringo, and. Is it, is it related, Tom? Is it a sequel? Well, we should be going to Blood for Silver Dollar. Oh, okay. This is where See, he changed his name to Montgomery Wood. Right. And now, why, why was, did he do? No, why did he yeah, do that, Tom? We, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good uh, question because uh, we, there's no, like you said, everybody's got an answer to it. So, pick and choose was either something he picked out, director picked out, uh, producer picked out, whatever. But I think they tried to make him more of a um, American-looking actor, so they couldn't use Juliana Gemma. Uh, these are basically re-releases that they used his real name once he was established. But right in the beginning, right. they used Montgomery Wood. So, what, what, so as I said, so this is a different. Obviously, it's a, I think it's a different film. This is the one where he plays the. Uh, um, who does he play again, Tom? Well, Gary O'Hara. This, 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 yeah, this one's at the end of the Civil War. Two brothers, Phil O'Hara, played by Nazareno Zamperla, and Gary uh, O'Hara, played by Gemma, leave their homeland and go to seek their fortune elsewhere. At Yellowstone, Gary is hired by the highly unscrupulous McCrory, played by Pierre Crisoy again, who uses him to kill a stranger who had been interfering with his shady dealings. Too late, Gary recognizes the stranger as his own brother, Phil, McCrory's men then try to shoot Gary, but he is saved by a dollar that he keeps as a memento in his waist pocket, waistcoat pocket. When he has recovered his senses, Gary returns to Yellowstone to settle the affair, but finds himself in deep waters. Right. And uh, this one's got some neat tricks to it in this film. He kind of kind of got the uh, the Clint uh, beard there going on. Yeah, this one he's, he starts out with a beard because... Uh, he, uh, they, they, they shave it off, and then he tries and grow it back on again to disguise his face when he goes back to Yellowstone. Uh, this was the second most successful Euro-Western of 1965, right behind for a few dollars more. Wow, okay. So this was, he, he followed up uh, Adios Gringo with another hit. Uh, this one's uh, on DVD and Blu-ray. The, the, the neat part about this was they give them their guns when they check out of the prisoner of war camp, they saw off the barrels. And so at the very end, when he runs into the, the main villain, 
the villain grabs his gun, the short barreled gun, and tries to shoot him. Well, the, the bullets are going everywhere but straight. Yeah. So the trick backfires on the villain. And and so and then okay, yeah, it's actually a good film. And and then after that, if I'm not mistaken, Tom, because I guess my notes are a little mixed up. Um, there was Arizona Colt or the Ringo movie. Now, now we go into the Ringo films. Okay. So yeah. a pistol for Ringo. And that's where he was billed as Montgomery Wood. So Wait. were those, was that one and Return of Ringo, were they, would you say they were one followed the other or were yeah, they two different? Yeah, they're back to back, but they're like the the, uh, the Johnny Garko, Claudio Camasso films that they, everybody thinks that they're the identical character and everything else, but they're not. They oh, just okay. use the name Ringo as the character name. Well, they're actually two of the be better films of the genre. Yep even though they're early. And so tell us about A Pistol for Ringo, Tom. Well, Pistol for Ringo was 65, Italian-Spanish, directed by Ducio Tassari. And in this one, Ringo, played by Gemma, a gunslinger with the face of an angel, that's why they call him Angel Face, joins a group of bandits pretending to be an outlaw, hunted by the sheriff, Dan or Ben, played by Daniel Martin. In fact, he has been hired by the guardian of law and order in exchange for his freedom and a percentage of the money stolen from the local bank if he retrieves the money and captures the outlaws. The outlaw gang has taken refuge at the hacienda of Major Clyde Brown, Antonio Casas. That's basically because Fernando Sancho, the leader of the, of the gang, has been wounded, and he can't make it back across the border. Anyways, Clyde Brown's daughter, Ruby, played by Lorella De Luca, and a battle of wits takes place between Ringo, the sheriff, and the wounded outlaw leader, Sancho, which is Fernando Sancho. So this was the the first, the second build he was built as as Montgomery Wood, and his entire Western persona was based on this Ringo character, like uh, Franco Nero as Django, Johnny Garco as Sartana, uh, the good-looking, likable, athletic gunman who uses his wits as well as his gun. He's almost always clean-shaven and well-dressed. He created a Western hero unlike the anti-hero. That was most popular in the spaghetti western genre, and, right? Uh, yeah, this one's set more like the American westerns. But the locations and the supporting actors are pure spaghetti. There are a couple of scenes that stand out for me. The Sancho Sancho executes Mexican peons, and Ringo shoot out at the church at the very beginning of the film where they ask him, "Are you um, Angel Face?" And he says, "Yes." He's playing hopscotch with a bunch of kids and while he's hopping around with his back to them, he draws his gun and shoots them all down. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Go ahead. Remember his, his motto, Tom, God created all men equal. Samuel Colt made them different. That's correct. And then the very, <laughs> the very beginning of the film is, is different too. You see two guys walking to this on a street, Western street towards each other. Um, and the viewer knows exactly they're going to do a showdown, but as they get close to each other, Merry Christmas, in, Tom. Yeah, both of them st st stick out their hand and and, mention, and say Merry Christmas. Yeah. Now those, as I said, two great films, very similar to um, in the way they were shot to uh, $10,000 for a Massacre and Vengeance, yeah, is, Vengeance mine. is Mine. Yep. Right. The other okay, thing so we wanted to mention is, is yeah. that Hall Hallie Hammond is Lorella DeLuca and she was married to Ducio Tassari, the director, so she appears in both Pistol for Ringo and Return of Ringo. Right. And speaking of Return of Ringo, I think we'll uh, show the poster as you give us uh, 
the background on that film, Tom? All right, this one came right after Pistol because of the big success of it. And this one, Montgomery Brown, played by Gemma, uh, a veteran officer of the Civil War, finds his hometown at the mercy of two fierce Mexicans. Father is Stephen Fuentes, played by Fernando Sancho, and his son, Don Francisco Paco Fuentes, which is played by Daniel Martin. His home and assets have been stolen, and his wife, Hallie, Hallie Hammond, for the sake of their daughter, is about to marry Paco. Montgomery dyes his hair blonde, which is disgusting, and disguises himself by pretending to be a peon because he wants to see if his wife has remained faithful to him during his absence. Everything happens during the wedding ceremony with the help of a few trusted friends. Right. Well, Tom, move your mic a little bit to the center. There you go. The re- I don't like the opening of this film where he's blonde and he comes into that shady bar yeah. And he tells him, don't you recognize me? I'm like, oh, I hope I'm going to have to fast forward. Yeah, thankfully he gets rid of the blonde hair. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know there was a local dye shop in town, really, Tom. Really, really. Right. But what's his motto in this one, Jay, do you remember? Let me think. Um, no time now, I'll explain afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody questions him about what's going on. I haven't got time to tell you now, I'll tell you later. And there's right. a great scene in there. He's in the Hacienda and he shoots some guy. He's laying on the floor, and as a guy staggers towards him, past him, he grabs his rifle out of his hand and <laughs> uses it because his pistol is empty. Yeah, yeah, it's very a, it's creative good. scenes in this. This one's on DVD and Blu-ray. Yeah. So, what, which one? Which film do you like better, Tom? I probably like uh, Return of Ringo a little bit better. Do you? I like more the first one. In it. The first one's uh, is like what used to say uh, town bound. This one's hacienda bound in, in right. Pistol for Ringo. All the action takes place in the Hacienda. Oh, that's true. And as I said, and there's the scar you can see there. Yep. Now, this one, but, they probably amplified it. Right, because it of, like of the war, I guess. Yeah. And so then, uh, let's see, after that, Tom, was it uh, Arizona Cold? Uh, Fort Yuma Gold. Oh, okay. Boy, we got, <laughs> I got a different <laughs> script than Tom does. Now, what's Fort Yuma Gold has a different title, Tom? Uh, it's also known as For a Few Extra Dollars, which is right. a U.S. title, uh, U.K. title Rebel Lieutenant, and then another U.S.A. title was Die Now, Pay Later. Which, you know, I, I love. Yeah, you love that one. <laughs> that could be a DVD or a, v, a video title. Well, tell us about that film, Tom. Well, you notice all of these in the beginning, they're basically military-related. He's always a soldier, ex-soldier, or something like that. Uh, this was made in 66, and it's an Italian, French, Spanish co-production. Again, directed by Calvin Jackson Paget, who's John, Giorgio Ferroni. Uh, in this one, he's a Confederate, oh, I'm sorry, he's not, he's not, but a Confederate Major Sanders, played by Jacques Cernus, continues fighting the North after the Civil War is over. That's a repetitive uh, storyline in a lot of spaghettis and a lot of Westerns. Former rebel Gary Diamond, played by Gemma, now a guide leads a pair of Union soldiers to stop Sanders before he can pull off a raid on Fort Yuma. Little does Diamond know that one of the Union officers is actually a Sanders spy. More complications ensue, pairing Diamond with a saloon girl, Connie Breastful, played by Sophie Domeyer. Before Sanders' plot is foiled, a rousing melodrama with a complicated storyline, Baroni's film is fast-moving for the most part and entertaining. It's aided by a fine score by... Ennio Morricone and Gianni Ferio. Right. But uh, yeah, this one's pretty this one's pretty good too. It is. Tom, move that mic to the middle. Thank you. 
Uh, it was, it's uh, interesting to know that uh, the great Alberto Martino was hired as the director, Tom, but I guess him and Gemma had a little falling out. Yeah, and I don't know what the story is. They just mentioned that they he had difficulty with them between the two, and they hired uh, Ferroni instead. Well, Ferroni he had already acted with, so he was familiar with him and probably felt more at home. Now, I'm taking your favorite scene is the, the huge uh, saloon brawl, saloon brawl yeah. which was directed yeah. by who, Tom? Uh, Enzo Castellari. I guess he was a second unit uh, yeah. director. It's very interesting. Well, yeah, it, this it film all, isn't bad. The um, saloon brawls I, get to show off his athleticism. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it goes on and on. Mm -hmm. And I'm, uh, I've got a, another photo from here I'd like to show. Oh, here it is. Okay. I guess this and is during the brawl, Tom. There we go. He's taking a breather. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's watching. This one's on DVD and Blu-ray. Right. So, yeah, good film. Not one of his best, at least in my opinion. I told you I, I'm a big fan of the uh, of Wanted um, and uh, Arizona Colt and Day of Anger. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I forgot to mention that, too. Day right. of Anger. Well, because of the pairing of him and Lee, yeah. Of course, the great Big pairing. Pleasure. Okay, so I guess next time, what was his next film? Long Days of Vengeance. And it was a long day, wasn't it? Yeah, this was done in 66, directed by Stan Vance, who's Floristano Vancini. And this is one of my favorites. Uh, Ted Barnett, played by Gemma, escapes prison to prove his innocence and to seek the identity of those who are responsible for the death of his father. He runs up against Cobb, played by Conrado San Martin, a local tyrant. Douglas, played by Francisco Rabal, the crep sheriff. Dolly, played by my favorite Neves Navarro, the girl that left Ted to marry Douglas. He arrives unnoticed in the area, accompanied by a drifter and his granddaughter, Dulcie, played by Gabriella Giorgelli. When he finds the real murderer, he turns the evidence over to a judge and once again is accused falsely but now faces the hangman. And this one is the one in the beginning. He looks like Tomas Melian. He's in prison, got long scraggly hair and a beard. And when you first see it, you think, oh, this isn't Gemma. This is a Tomas Melian movie. But then when he escapes prison, he goes back and there's a dramatic scene in the beginning with the barber that shaves him. And uh, he basically tells the story of why he's back. Right. And it's got your favorite, Nieves Navarro, and also yep. the lovely Gabriella uh, Giorgelli. Yep. Yeah, and another thing I mentioned, too, is the fact this is like uh, Kinski's God Said to Cain. It's one of those vengeance things where all his girlfriend left him, the town is run by a tyrant, and he's got to come back and face all these problems. Right. It's also the, uh, the only Western score by uh, Armando Travioli, Travioli, Tom. Yeah, it's a great score. One of my all-time favorites. Why he didn't do more. I have no idea, but it's great. And he definitely should and have. This one's just on DVD. And so then after that, what did he follow up, Tom? One of your favorites in mine, too, Man from Nowhere, which right. is Arizona Colt. Yeah, Arizona Colt, uh, the Man from Nowhere. It's just, it's just, it epitomizes, I guess, the perfect role for him in my, in my yeah. eyes. It's just, he plays totally it perfectly. Agree. Yep. This is done in 66, an Italian-French film co-production. I noticed going through this, there's a lot of French uh, co-production with him. And I don't know why that is, but usually it's Italian and Spanish or Italian, Spanish, German. But French pops in here all the time. So maybe he was a big star in France. 
Maybe. Uh, but this one has to do with Arizona Colt, which is Gemma, a notorious bounty hunter. He's imprisoned in a desert town, but is sprung by gang leader Gordon Watch, played by Fernando Sancho. Instead of galloping off into the sunset, Arizona elects to stay in town to defend its citizens from the film's real bad guys, Watch's gang. His reward is a night with the saloon owner's daughter, Jane, or Jacqueline, played by Corinne Marchand. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Got some, got some great a, it's lines. It's a great poster, I, uh, one, of my, uh, one of my favorites. Uh, what Was it titled Man from Nowhere for the States, Tom? Yeah, I, I saw, a, um, I don't know what you want to call it, Jay. They're not a lobby cart. And they're the skinny posters that are probably five feet tall. And they're probably a foot and a half wide. They would go on the side of the of the uh, the, the lobby, right? Not posted. And I saw a man from nowhere. I'm going, what is that? And I recognized Gemma, and that's when I discovered that it was Arizona Colt. Yeah. What's interesting is Jeff Cameron has an early role. Tom as a rancher. Yeah. There's a. He's got an early role, and who else do I did I? Jose Teron, Tom. Jose Teron's in this plays a guy in in. Sancho's gang, and Sancho's got some great lines in this one. Um, he he bails these guys out of prison because his uh, gang members keep getting shot and killed, so he's got to replenish the the herd. So when he gets them out of there, he offers them uh, a a job as either uh, a member of his gang or to die. That's right. their choice. So one of them says, "No, I'm not going to join your gang." So he pulls out his pistol and he shoots him. Right. Yeah, Americans call one, me Gordon, but my name is Gordo. <laughs> <laughs> the Americans, they change the name of everything. And it's like this, the opposite, because the Italians change the name of everything from Spanish and Italian to Americanize their names. Well, I so think my favorite play. line is when he says, stupid gringos. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah but I, I, this one, the only thing that bugs me, Jay, and I, I mean, I love the movie, but for some reason, Corinne Marchand always looked too old. The, the first daughter that gets killed by Nezzo Palafini is Rosalba Neri. And that's why he, he's hired to go after the gang. Right. Gemma is. And the reward is a night with Corinne Mashan, the other daughter. But Nothing wrong with that. Like, well, she always looked like, uh, um, uh, what's her, what did I say her name was? The singer? Patty Page. She always reminded me of Patty Page. Okay, well then you know everything will be vanilla after that time. <laughs> But anyway, great film, one of his best. Uh, if you're going to watch, if you're going to starting off watching Gemma movies, I'd start with Arizona Cole. Yeah, a lot of athleticism in this one. Right. Great lines. It's well, what do we DVD. have next, Tom? Uh, Day of Anger. Or other oh, favorite. here we go with, with LVC. Yeah. This was done in 67, directed by Tonino Valerie, who is one of uh, Leone's assistants. And everybody knows the story on this one. They've all probably seen it. Scruffy town bastard Scott Mary, played by Gemma, becomes the pupil of famed gunfighter Frank Talby, LVC. And the stage for confrontation is set when the gunman becomes unhinged and overruns Scott's town through violence and corruption. The tables are turned when Scott Mary uses the lessons taught to him by Talby against his teacher. All through yeah, the no, movie, it's a great keeps, film. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of like a little bit like um, Death Rides a Horse, Tom. Yep. Or it predates it, doesn't it, a little bit? Yeah. I, the, the, the part is, all, the, all during the movie, he keeps telling Gemma, this is lesson number one. 
Right, right, this is lesson right. number two. And at the end of the movie, Gemma puts them all back on him. Exactly. Yep. And I think it's interesting to note that the uh, that in Django Unchained, that's uh, they use that main theme, right, Tom? Yeah. When I went to see Django Unchained, they um, they showed this shooting scene where he's shooting a snowman to improve his his uh, his ability with a pistol, and all of a sudden, Day of Anger comes blaring out and right then, oh my god i finally got to hear it on the big screen well tom yeah. uh al mullick's in this movie yeah al mullick al mullick has a that's probably his biggest role in spaghetti westerns in this because he plays a former gang member of lee and lee goes after him in los albury cocos which is the fistful of dollars for a few dollars more town and tries to get his share of the money and al's already never got has spent what he's got and tells talby where the uh it's hidden and then Talby goes to collect the rest of his money. And that's the scene where they catch him and drag him around right. the, the mill. And that's right behind the small house in Fistful of Dollars. So oh, okay. it all takes place in the same general area. Yep. Right. Bill Farrell's house, right? Yep. Bill Farrell's house. Yep. Right. And also, what's a Gemma's horse's name, Tom? Sartana. <laughs> Here's Sartana. So a lot of inside little jokes and stuff here. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a great film. Actually, one of Lee's more subdued roles. Yeah. But uh, still a great film. I actually always thought, I used, when I was younger, I used to confuse Day of Anger with Death Rides, Death Rides a Horse. Horse. Yeah. But of course, when you get older, you know the difference between the two. Well, Lee, Lee is great until he turns rogue. You know, you think, well, he's standing up for this kid and making the town pay for what they did to him, but then he just, just goes over the top. Right. So, no, great film. If you haven't seen it, go go get it. And it's next, Tom. DVD and Blu-ray. Right. Is next, Wanted. Wanted. <laughs> 67, directed by Calvin J. Paget, which is Giorgio Ferroni again. He loved to work with Ferroni and Tassari. This one's about Gary Ryan, another one, Jay. It seems like all his movies, he plays a character named Gary. God. You know, Gary this, Gary that. Anyways. Gary Ryan, appointed sheriff of Greenfield and then adjust, unjustly accused of murder and forced to flee. The man behind the false charge is a mysterious figure who leads a band of cattle rustlers. Ryan tries to prove his innocence by getting rid of his enemies one by one. Yeah, and he, he does a pretty good job. Yep. Uh, as you said, he was reunited with Giorgio Ferroni. Yep. Um, and uh, it is a little bit like Adios Gringo, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. It's almost like Drummer of Vengeance, too, but there's no little tin soldier. Drummer of Vengeance. <laughs> eliminates his enemies one by one. And if I'm not mistaken, Craig Hill's wife is in this, Tom. Yep, Teresa Jimpera plays uh, the love interest in this film. And uh, Wanted is just, it's just another, as I said, one of my favorite uh, Gemma films. And it's just because it's just the, the, the film itself is just a, is a good film. And of course... He plays, for once, he has a set of balls. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's kind of grittier. Yeah, he's not the, he's not the, the, the kid. Right. And so that's, the be, that's one of the best poses uh, from any of his films, actually, where he, yep. uh, where he actually you know, looks a little sinister, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what's coming up next? What, oh, Tom, I know what's next. Because it's, it's probably the worst name 
right, Tom, for a film in what, Spaghetti Western history? Yeah. yeah. And for a roof, a sky full of stars and a, a room full of buzzards. Right. The UK, UK title is called Billy Boy. How's that? That's wow. just as bad. <laughs> Another one, Giulio Petroni was a director at 68 Italian. And uh, this one is a, a stagecoach is stopped by the Pratt gang. Leader of the Pratt gang is, uh, uh, I got, I'm sorry, I got, it's uh, Rick Boyd. Rick Boyd, that's of course. That's probably Rick Boyd's biggest role, yeah. He plays the lead villain. Anyways, a group of outlaws looking for someone. When they don't find their prey, they massacre the passengers and ride off. <laughs> this is all set to a beautiful Morricone track featuring the haunting whistling of Alessandro Alessandroni. A drifter named Tim, played by Gemma, witnesses the massacre and then starts to bury the dead passengers. Another drifter named Henry, played by Mario Adorf, comes upon him and without a word exchanged between them and with the haunting score in the background pitches in to help with the burial. The two men soon become traveling companions, but one of them, Tim, is being chased by a crazed killer and his band of gunmen to settle an old score. Along with Harry, they are chased through the West, encountering scrape after scrape until the killers catch up and the score is settled for good. Right. But this probably has the best opening of any Spaghetti Western. And then after that? Yeah, it just bounces all over the place like they don't, didn't have a direct line of story. Right. It's comical and, in parts and it's uh, rough in others. It's just very uneven. And I mean, listen, Mario Adorf, everything he's in is pretty cool, but uh, not this one. No, he plays sort of a goofy minor in this right. one that just tags This is kind of like Deaf Ears and... Uh, yeah, <laughs> Deaf, yeah John, Johnny Ears, Deaf Charlie and Johnny Ears or whatever. Deaf Smith and Johnny Deaf Ears. Deaf Smith and Johnny Ears, yeah. Yeah, and Adorf is in the Anthony Quinn role. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, Tom, I think it's interesting also to note, uh, you think uh, the gal who played Ringo's girlfriend, Pilar, in Blind Man... Yeah, is the girl that's murdered at the beginning of the film. Uh, everybody always comes up, who's that blonde in the beginning of the film that they murder? And it took me quite a while to find out it's uh, the girl that played Pilar in uh, Blind Man. Right. Where are my women? <laughs> I got to throw that in, Tom. Uh, what did I say her name was? It something Eckberg? It's not a name Agneta Eckmeyer. There you go. Yes. Yes, I know my women, Tom. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, so this was followed up by, as you stated earlier, Tom, one of your favorites, The Price of Power. Yeah, this was one I've watched one in the beginning, and uh, uh, and then I watched it again about a year or so ago, and I said, man, this is pretty good. And it's directed by Tino Valeri, which is, again, Sergio's assistant director, and it looks like a Sergio Leone production. Yeah, I mean, it does. Big production. All the people that you see in a Leone movie are supporting actors in this one. Uh, it was done in 69. It's Italian-Spanish, which is the same as Leone. Um, it's at the end of the Civil War. President Garfield, played by Van Johnson, which is really unlikely character to play in Spaghetti Western, is committed to solve all the problems that gave rise to the conflict of the uh, Civil War and restore law and order to the Union. During a trip to Dallas, Texas, where the grievance still raged, Garfield is assassinated by unknown assailants. The culprits are suspected to be William Wheeler, played by Gemma, and Jack Donovan, played by Ray Saunders, two Texans who had fought in the war for the Union Army under the command of then-Colonel Garfield. 
While Donovan is killed during the transfer to prison, Willer manages to escape and starts his own investigation of the crime. With the help of McDonald, played by Warren Vanders, he's a Secret Service agent and a secretary of the assassinated president, Willer discovers and punishes the real culprits for the death of the president. This is a combination of uh, Garfield and Kennedy assassinations. That's yeah, I thought that was kind Dallas of weird. Fit in there, and everybody says it's a it's a remake of the Kennedy assassination. Well, it isn't. It isn't. It's got a lot of character actors, Tom. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, I mean Frank Brana plays the sheriff in this thing. Uh, Benito Stefanelli, Fernando Ray, uh, Pepe Calvo, Antonio Casas. Uh, Frank Brandon, all of them, all it, every, it's just a, your friend, Lorenzo Robledo's in this. Oh yeah. My I mean, buddy. It's, <laughs> it's a, the spitter. Yeah. It's a who's who of, uh, Italian and Spanish character actors pop up in this thing. But, but, I, but as I was reading Tom, I think they did it purposely trying to make a, you know, a correlation, a, you know, a connection oh, yeah. between oh, the sure. assassination of Garfield sure. and Kennedy. And one of the, the Ray Saunders is a black man. So they bring in the racial, aspect oh, right. of this too you know i mean it's all kinds of stuff crammed in here but right. it does it looks like a leone film it's not bad not to be confused with um that franco nero movie with it's a similar title tom remember it's not really a western oh the, that that thing that's made in uh in takes place in spain yeah it's called i think it's also called yeah. the price of something yeah yeah, I know what you mean. Anyway, yeah, that's I fine. I uh, yeah, it's, as I said, okay film. Thing. Of course, it looks a little bit like a Leone film. And um, if you can catch it, it's kind of, it's 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 the Gone with the Wind <laughs> spaghetti <laughs> westerns. It's on DVD and Blu-ray, so it's available. Right. So anyway, next he made a film, not to be confused with... Uh, uh, with a Vincent Price film, Tom, alive or preferably <laughs> dead. dead. Yeah, right. With, uh, Clint uh, Walker, the, the alternate yeah. title is even worse. Uh, Sundance Cassidy and... Uh, Butch the Kid. Yeah, That's, it's just absolutely horrific. It was never released here in the theater, but it was released on video, and that's the title that they used. And uh, Gemma was billed as John Wade. <laughs> the, and Nino Benvenuti was was uh, billed as Robert Newman, so they're trying to capture the Paul Newman, Boy. Robert Redford connection. And Sydney Rome was billed as Karen Blake, but uh, it's it's Tom. Look, it's got, G- look, Tom. Gerard Depardieu is in this movie. <laughs> uh, this one is two estranged brothers: Monty, played by Gemma, a city gambler, and Ted, played by Nino Benvenuti. A farmer living out west inherited a fortune on the conditions they managed to live with each other for a period of six months. Arriving at his brother's place, the city boy insults the local gang leader, Bad Jim, played by Chris Huerta, who burns down the house. Now the two brothers have to do all kinds of stupid things to make a living and pass the time, like robbing banks and kidnapping rich people's daughters, such as Rosella or Scarlett Scott, played by Sydney Rome, they find they are stuck with Scott because her rich banker father doesn't want her back. So this is this is a comedy of buddy type, and uh, Gemma and Benvenuti get along fine, but uh, it just bounces all over the place from slapstick to you know uh, one predicament after another. Outside of the Volante brothers uh, that we covered last week, 
You'll be hard pressed to find a spaghetti western star that didn't make a lame, dumb, stupid yeah. comedy. Well, do you I don't know do what it is. They they all want to take a break from playing the serious they all want gunslinger. To play comedian, I know. Or they and, thought that when the comedy movies came along that they could do it. Do you remember right. in any gun cam play there's a bathtub scene where they're slipping and sliding over the soap and all? It's the same thing in this one. There's another bathroom scene uh, with you know people falling in bathtubs and soap suds going everywhere. It's just a. Oh. It just shows you that the Tassari, just like Kerbucci, can make a dud here and there. Yep. Uh, not all the time, but it happens. Maybe yep. it's for the. I think it's for the money. They take the money. Oh, yeah. They make. They know it's not going to be good. They don't care because they made Django. Yep. Or they this made the a Ringo, the a pistol for era, Ringo. So. so. Yep. Uh, anyway, the, the younger um, guys who don't know who as I mentioned, Ben Venuti is, let me explain real quick. Oh, okay. He was an Olympic boxer and won the gold medal as a welterweight in 1960. That's the same time Cassius Clay or Muhammad Ali was boxing in the Olympics. He went on to become world middleweight champion in 1967 and was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. I think he released his biography or autobiography like a year ago, or 2019. Uh, oh, but he was okay. one of the great boxers of all time and a real nice guy, apparently. And he well, got along with Gemma because oh. Gemma, remember, early on was a, like boxing. Yeah. Well, I was going to also make a special point, <clears throat> Tom. Unfortunately, in the career of Gemma and in the ovor of Spaghetti Westerns, Gemma is in, and we just named the first, three yeah. of the worst Spaghetti Westerns of all time. I call it the Gemma Trilogy. Yeah. And it began with this one, and then it followed up with the Ballad of Ben and Charlie, Tom, yep. also known as Ben and Charlie, or Ben and Charlie's Ice Cream. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know. I guess it was just a slow period, even though this, the early 70s, it was still thriving. Yeah. So, Tom, what do you think? Why did, why did he take these three roles? <laughs> I have no idea. We haven't even got to the third one, which is the absolute the worst, worst Spaghetti Western directed by a major director of all time. I don't know but, if they figured that, you know, that was what he was offered, so that's what he took. Or if they figured they could make a better comedy Western because of him being in it. I don't know. Or like you well, said, he just wanted to do a comedy. Well, all this proves is George Eastman should stick to acting and not screenwriting. <laughs> So, so yeah. So, tell us about the Ballad of Ben and, and Charlie, Tom. Real quick, some trivia here. Um, the other actress in uh, Alive or Preferably Dead, Sydney Rome. I always wanted to, was that her real name? Because she was born in Ohio, and I figured, <laughs> well, she went over to Italy and she changed her name from Schwartz <laughs> or Miller to Rome. And I have a friend of mine as an author over there named Fabio Malelli, and he interviewed him a year ago, and I asked him at that time on Facebook. Is that her real name? And he said, yes, that's her real name. Or Sidney yeah. Romay, Tom. It could be Romay, that's correct. But anyway, let's, let's get to this uh, clunker, which is <laughs> the nadir of the, of the genre, Tom. The Ballad of Ben and Charlie. It starts out great. That scene oh, you think so? Him, <laughs> with Eastman waiting for him to be sprung out of prison. I mean, the theme song, and he's sitting there in the rain and everything else waiting. It's, it's a pretty good opening. But this was done 71 at the height of the trinity infestation directed by michelle lupo who's a good director but it uh, falls on deaf ears as far as we're concerned anyways ben Ballou, ben Ballou, played by Gemma, and charlie logan played by george eastman are a pair of small-time 
hustlers who go their separate ways after Ben is released from prison, only to accidentally reconnect, become involved in a bank robbery, and are on the run from the ruthless Pinkerton agent played by Gia Como Rossi Stewart. Just when they decide to hang up their guns, they encounter three vicious outlaws determined to join the gang. They then force the group to continue making holdups. Their plans for retiring end up spiraling deeper and deeper into trouble until the eventual showdown with the Pinkerton agent and the law arrives. Right. And yeah. It's, this is one of those, instead of going from uh, uh, drama to comedy, it goes from comedy to drama at the end. Tom, the only reason to watch this is for Marissa Mill. And she's only in it for like five minutes. And that's that's why you should watch yeah, it. That's the stage coach stop. That's right. Fa fast forward until uh, you see her scene. Do you but, have, or um, have, you, have you? Do you have or do you have seen the uh, Wild East release? I have not, Tom. There's an alternate song in the beginning, which I think is even better than the one in the film, and you can't find it anywhere. It's not on YouTube. It's never been released on an LP or a CD, but I'd love to have that. Right. And so I think we have a bit of trivia that uh, the producers at Eastman uh, changed the ending, Tom, because it was too much like yeah, the original they were film. Have it like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you know, where they get slaughtered, but they the producers said, no way, uh, we're going to have to change it. So they changed the ending of the movie. There's also right. uh, there's a couple of references. There's a pocket watch and a silver dollar, which are references to. Uh, Eastwood movies and the silver dollar is blood for a silver dollar reference. Right. Yeah. This one's on DVD. Well, Tom, next up is a film we've talked about before, unfortunately. And uh, it is probably, I don't know. Would you the say worst? maybe one of the worst utilizations of three spaghetti Western actors in history by yeah. a top director? Yeah. And uh, well, there's, yeah, there's, there's four reasons <laughs> Gemma, Worst Western, Melian's Worst Western, Wallach's Worst Western, Sergio Carbucci's Worst Western. Right. And the white, the yellow, and the black, Tom, I bet when Sergio thought of that, oh, it's genius, I bet he thought. <laughs> well, look at the cast. He's got, he's got a great actors, but it, oh, it's just terrible. And Melian's uh, accent as the Japanese guy is like uh, nails on a chalkboard. It just drives you absolutely right. crazy. Right. Where's, where's Odd Job Cicada when you need oh. him, Tom? Really? I, I think I told you before we've talked about this, the best scene in this, and you'll never see it, is on like a, the French or the Italian version. In the very beginning, Eli Wallach is around his family's uh, breakfast table. And, he, and when I say family, his uncle, his father, his grandfather, his, all the kids, whatever. And his wife is just chewing his butt out. And every line she says is a, is a title to an Italian Western. But it's in Italian, so it means nothing when you would, would go to translate it. You know. you know, Tom, I would recommend if someone who isn't aware of, there's an American comedy from 76 called Homps. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd recommend that over this. I think so. Um, three top actors in a crappy movie trying to ret uh, retrieve a stolen prized horse. You know right off the bat. Yeah. And they give Milian's character the worst. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've and never this of course, they try city. to, they battle Confederate outlaws, Indians. You might as well Indians, just watch yeah. The Great Race. Yep. You know, with Texas Jack. Yep. And, uh, and, and that as well. But anyway, Tom, um, once again, these are kind of unexplainable why it happens, either for the money, maybe there was a lull in the career, uh, 
sometimes just it looks good on paper. I, I personally can't see why. Yeah, but I have no idea. This is probably this is worse than white Comanche, Tom. Yeah, at least it's right there. Yep, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing maybe because it's 1974 that Carbucci saw that Leone made My Name is Nobody and figured I can outdo him in a comedy. I'm going to make the white, the yellow, right. and the black. I'm going to show you the best thing about this film, Tom. You ready? It is where it says where it says fiend. Finn no, yeah, where it end. says fiend, right, or the end, exactly. No, it's a uh, it's a shot of all four of them off camera near their their chairs. That is the absolute best scene in the movie, and it's not in the movie. Not in the movie, yeah. Right. Looks like Sergio's having a great time. Yeah. yeah. Milian, not so much. Not so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's move on from that to he redeems himself a little bit with probably one of the last decent spaghetti westerns, Tom, and that would be California. Yeah, he made a big rebound here. This is one of the most talked about spaghetti westerns in the genre, California. Made in 77. It's an Italian-Spanish co-production. It's about after the Civil War, two Union soldiers, California, played by Gemma. And Willie Preston, played by Miguel Bose, make their way home, but Willie is killed. California takes his friend's body home and is welcomed like a son from Willie's father, played by William Berger. This is almost like Kaoma, the plays another father, Berger does. When Willie's sister, Helen, played by Paola Bose, that's Miguel's real sister, is kidnapped, he sets out to bring her home. He has a fight with bounty hunter Roper Rupe Whitaker, played by Raymond Harmsdorf, and saves the traumatized girl. That's the best thing in the movies. It's probably the best fight scene of all spaghetti westerns. It's one of the best fight scenes, I'd say, definitely, between Harmsdorf and Gemma. They're in a shack, and they tear the shack down with each other. It goes on for a good 10 minutes. And then, of course, it's it's good to note that I think it's probably the last time you'll see a bunch of actors of, of that caliber together in one film, Tom. Yeah, this late in the genre, there's a a slew of character actors that uh, from Spanish and the Italian group uh, shown for the last time. Right. And as you said, it kind of, the film does have a kind of a dark, somber theme. Yeah. The whole thing is, an, is like overcast. They're, they're walking through the mud. It's rainy. Uh, they go into barns and stuff like that. It's not happy go lucky till they get to uh, no. Willie's ranch. And William Berger comes out, and it's sort of sunny then, like things are going to get better. And then when the daughter's kidnapped, it goes back to being somber again. Right. So, as I said, not the best film of the genre, but for 1977, it's the best one of the of the closing years. Yeah, it's a top-class one. It's not a B movie. It's got good production values in it. Right. And then I guess they got uh, horror director, horror master Lucio Fulci once again. I think was his other one was Winchester Jack, right, Tom? Yeah, yeah. Well, he did. Remember, he did your favorites, a couple of White Fang movies. So. Oh no! Now, yeah. now you just killed it. <laughs> but, but anyway, Silver Saddle, which I am not a big fan of, but others have given it, I guess, more appreciation than I do. I just don't like kids in spaghetti westerns, yeah, Tom. Yeah, I know. I, I, it ruins. I don't want a kid in my film. I don't. At least I don't one that's use... older than ten, if you don't mind. Yeah, I don't. That's I don't why like I... them either. Yeah. <laughs> but, but is, I just my... find them annoying. This Even the kid in the. 45. 
Even the kid in the Eastwood film, Tom, is annoying to me. Oh, yeah. This is, but this anyway, is tell us about Silver Saddle. Though. It was done in 77. It's strictly Italian movie. And it has to do with a 10-year-old boy is forced to watch how his father is killed by a professional gunman paid by a certain Mr. Barrett, played by Ettore Manny. He shoots the gunman in the back with his father's shotgun and steals his silver saddle. 20 years later, he has become a famous gunman, recognized by most people by his beautiful silver saddle. When he gets an offer to do a professional killing, he refuses. His gun's not for hire. But he changes his mind when he hears the name of the victim is Barrett. But then the intended victim turns out to be a 10-year-old boy. At least the boy, boys in this are not silly. It's not like uh, it can be Don Amigo or whatever. They're not irritating. They're just little boys. Or one know? of those A Providence movies. Yeah. <laughs> they're just pawns in this, yeah. So, uh, Tom, though, I'm surprised. I, was, I remember we talked about this. You actually, I know you're being nice, but you actually like this film, Tom. Yeah, I do. I like it a lot. <laughs> it's a psychological film for Gemma. I mean, he, he, he goes from hate to wanting to protect the boy. And uh, he, he can see himself in the little boy and comes out of his hatred for uh, Barrett. Now, this, this is a great picture because who is that on the left? Well, that's, that's Joffrey. That's Joffrey Lewis, right. Not making a spaghetti western. And he plays a character by the name of Two Strike Snake. And what I was the name of his to... character in High Plains Drifter, Tom? I have no idea. All I just remember is with a with a bullet in his Who head. Who are you? Who are you? Yeah. But anyway. I always wanted to talk to him and find out how he made a spaghetti western. Because, we better talk to him soon, Tom. Yeah, this is before Eastwood days, so Eastwood didn't bring him over. Or it could, or could, no, actually, ago. it's after, Tom. Huh? It's after. High Plains is 71. Oh, could be. Well... But yeah, but Clint wasn't over in Italy. Oh, okay. Clint had come back before then, so. Or seventy-three. I, yeah. I forget one or the other. Yeah. Anyway, Tom. So then, Gemma's last spaghetti western, if you want to call it that, was based on a comic strip character of Tex Willer. Tom, there it is. Wait a minute, Tom. <laughs> you're, you're you're jumping the gun. We there's Tom. There's Tom's museum piece of the week. There it is. That Tex is Willer. awesome. Wanted. <laughs> Tex Willer is an Italian comic book character, and they figured probably let's revive the genre by bringing out a very popular cartoon character. And who are you going to get to play this clean-shaven uh, gunslinger? Juliana Gemma. That's who we'll get. Right. So I, I any, thought this was an underwater science fiction movie, uh, this Tom. Is, this is, well, that's where it goes off the, off the rails. Tex Willer, played by Gemma, is a Western adventurer and Texas Ranger who, while investigating a convoy robbery of guns, learns that an Aztec witch doctor has a secret weapon to use against the invading Mexicans, a green rock that turns men into mummies. With the help of Kit Carson, played by William Berger, and Tiger Jack, played by Carlo Macari, he finds the gun and the witch doctor. So oh, that, that's it, Tom? <laughs> I thought you were going to... That's enough. It's bizarre. That is enough of this one, right? Yeah, that's enough. Uh... Once again, reunited with Tesari, yep. but the film doesn't work. It doesn't work as a science fiction film, doesn't work as a Western. One of the few spaghetti Westerns that I've watched once, like the yellow, the black, and the pink. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, of course, uh, 
What's the other one, Tom? A saloon girl, a killer, and and well, three cans and of beans. beans. Karate Fist and Beans. But yeah, that's the other one that I've watched once. I think we were talking before. Burger looks very good as Kit Carson. Oh, uh, true. This is so far down the line that these guys are just going through the paces. There's no energy in this movie. Um, there's nothing that says, wow, I want to watch Gemma in action because he's just going through the paces. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, 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 the, the, the genre was in its decline. Oh, look, John Ireland, Tom. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not Burger John Ireland. Kit Carson. It looks great. But um, anyway, so yeah, I mean, he's starting to look a little aged. But that's what happens when the end of the genre comes. You're not yep. going to be in a film that's not that good. Yep. Um, well, so that's not exactly true. I mean, Get Mean isn't bad, right, Tom? That's right. There's some ideas. When the, well, it tricks the 3D. Not, true, not Get Mean, true. but I mean... We're I'm, coming uh, at you. Coming at you is a 3D, but get mean. It was like they throw everything in the or, or the legend of the Lone Ranger, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, that was the end of his spaghetti westerns, but he was signed up to do one before his uh, his accident, Tom, or his untimely death. Yeah, this thing never got off the ground. I saw it on. Uh, internet it was a thing called man born again and it was sort of a uh, internet comic book and Gemma was going to be the voice of jackson cage a boxer of the crown melanie mccall an american student a lawless town and ancient people protecting the land from the metallic london sky so starting to bring in the native american viewpoint uh it showed cloudless landscapes of north america across two continents Powder and bullets, tricks and treasures, subjugated souls and guardian spirits. But uh, he died before it really got going, so I don't know if it ever what it would have actually turned into. But it was a unique, different idea. Yeah, it was. It sounded. Listen, whether he would have done it or not is inconsequential at the time. It just would have been a project he did. And uh, of course, he made other movies too. I mean, he was in sword and sorcery movies. Yep. Um, sand, I mean, sword and sandal movies, um, and he was in oh, a couple of World War uh, Two films. Tom, the, one, uh, the only one I remember seeing him in because I didn't watch any of those was was Ben Hur. He was in one with Kirk Douglas where they were robbers. Oh, okay, robbers and that was pretty good. No, you see him in the scene where Ben Hur is talking to some soldiers, and you actually see Gemma right there. He doesn't yeah. say anything. Yeah. It's, it's like the leopard. I think Terrence Hill's in there and a couple of other ones, and they're just background. But it's like, wow, after you've seen Spaghetti Westerns, you see these guys' earlier performances, and they stand out. Right. But they were nothing. They were just actors. So that concludes our homage and our tribute to the great uh, Giuliano Gemma. And uh, watch this episode back if you want to see some of the better titles that we discussed, or uh, one of our fans actually does a timetable of what we discussed. You can see what films that you're interested in. But anyway, uh, it was nice going over. We got a lot of requests to do him since we first started this podcast. So we am glad we finally got to honor him. Okay, now it's uh, time for our other parts of the show that everybody looks forward to, Tom. And uh, I guess we'll start it off with what a segment that we like to call Book of the Week. 
All right. Staying with Gemma, my book of the week is, <laughs> I have no idea what to call it. It's just a photo book on Juliana Gemma. It's Japanese. I got it at Larry Edmonds. And all I know, it was edited by a guy named Kazuo Kajiwara. It came out in 1973, has 190 pages, and it's all in Japanese. But Show the cover funny. again, Tom. That's, it's all in Japanese. Like, well, they go they go from right to left, don't they? Or is that China? That could be that could be That's Hebrew, cover. Tom. <laughs> that could be the cover. I'm sorry the, to the Japanese fans out here. I don't know. But it's lots of pictures, pictures, Tom? Yeah, lots of pictures. Let's do it. Some in color. Goes over his films. Nice. So sounds good, Tom. So my book of the week. I don't think we've covered it. It's an early one. We're actually running out of Book of the Weeks, Tom. We've done about 40 episodes, of, and that's times two. So there's 80 books that we've done. Um, so my Book of the Week, if I can find it here, is an oldie but goodie. <laughs> I'm still looking. Hold on. <laughs> okay, here it is. It's... Um, Spaghetti Westerns from Cowboys and Europeans, Tom. Oh, yeah. Yep. Frailing's original. That's the first cover. Mine's all beaten and torn. I, when he was at the Autry in 05 for the Leone, uh, he had just reissued this one, I think, and updated it. I think a third or fourth issue. Yeah. And anyways, I took, I took the, the updated one and I took this, uh, this one. He couldn't believe that I had the original. And I said, yeah, I got it in Santa Monica in some bookstore. And uh, I was so uh, tickled to get something in English. It's actually very enjoyable. And at the time, it was just this one, an opera of violence, if I'm not That's mistaken. Right. Tony Williams, yep. So that is our book of the week. And now, Tom, we will uh, get ready for our next segment that Tom only does because he's the LP expert as we uh, we bring you... <laughs> album of the what's up album of the week it's called ten bianchi ucisi da un piccolo indiano i think that means ten white men for the little Indian, but we know it as Blood River. Came out in 1979. Um, composer is Piero Emiliani. It's on Comitas, which is CMT, number 1010-23. It's mono, has 14 tracks. This was reissued in 2010 on CD, so it's not as rare as it used to be. It's worth about 70 bucks. Wow, seven or 70? 70. Mm -hmm. Nice. So that was an actual soundtrack, huh, Tom? Actual soundtrack. There's the back cover. Okay, just making sure. It's not a bootleg. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> so with that, we continue to our next segment, Tom. And we know what that is, and I'll let Tom start off. It's time for uh, Autograph of the Week. Staying with our theme, there he is, 
Juliana Gemma. Well, Tom. Juliana Gemma. He couldn't have just I, signed it above his, his head. Yeah, I got this from Germany, so I don't know if that's a behind-the-scenes shot or if, what movie that's Isn't from. Isn't that Leo DiCaprio next to him, Tom? <laughs> I think so. I don't know what nice. that's from. There's a, there's because I look at there's a parasol or an umbrella in the background. That doesn't look like. I think they were just it. camping, Tom. Maybe but he's got reins in his hands, like he's dry. Maybe it's uh, from uh, the white, the yellow, and the black. He's pissed off. Right. That's that's great, Tom. And now, my autograph of the week, if I can find it, is actually a good one, Tom. You always get good. Uh, ones. Right. It's the, it's from. Uh, he actually signed this. This is what I was told. I actually, because I knew once again, uh, I knew a member of the family. I won't see tasked me not to say, but he got me this autograph and if it'd be great if I could find it. And of course, you know, I met all my autographs, Tom. Mm -hmm. It's the sheriff won't shoot Tom. Who's the star of that? Oh, Kenneth Moore. Oh, that Mickey Hargitay. Right. I'm thinking of a sheriff of shock, fractured jaw. <laughs> sheriff of fractured jaw. Mickey Hargitay, yes. And what's funny is he asked me, well, do you want one of him shirtless with Jane? Mm. I, I'm like, no. <laughs> so no. find me an autograph in the scrapbook. Mickey, um, I think it passed already. Yeah. There's one of those. Remember, 75% of the autographs I get, I got myself. But I never got a chance to meet Mickey Hargitay. Oh, he's a nice guy. I never. I, would he ever go to the Hollywood show, Tom? He went to a show, that, and if you, I don't know if you remember this. Back in, I guess it would be the '90s. There used to be a show in Laughlin during Thanksgiving because they had the rodeo in Vegas that following week. So a lot of these celebrities and stuff would come out for the rodeo, and they had it at the, at Laughlin, and I went. And for a couple of years, a friend of mine and I tried to talk Gordon Mitchell into coming. And Gordon said, well, I'll come if I can. I take Mickey Hargitay. That would have been great. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. So Mickey went and apparently his brother lived in that area someplace because he came over one day and they talked for a couple of hours. But they were there. I guess we arrived on Thursday and went home on Sunday. So I spent like two days with them at the table signing autographs and stuff like that, talking to his, his wife at that time. And she was fantastic too. But uh, oh, yeah, nice. I got to learn, learn a lot about him. So Tom, you already showed your museum piece of the week, didn't you? Yeah, I'll show it again. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute, put it, put it back, put it back, Tom. Oh, you put it back? Oh, you got an entrance? Yeah, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a museum piece of the week. Okay. Yeah, mine, mine doesn't move like yours, but. Wait, show them in the front, Tom. No, and there you go. I'm well, gosh darn it, ma'am. <laughs> and like I told Jay, I had one of these, and we had an earthquake in La Habra a few years ago, and I've never had anything break in an earthquake. And it fell off the top shelf and broke. And I'm, oh, no, I'm never going to find another one. Right. And I found one on eBay, luckily, so. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, you did, Tom. From Europe, of course, because no one knows who he is. Tex Willer over here. Right. 
So my museum piece of the week is kind of a special dear, well, it's not a diorama background. I'm going to get one for it, but I put them all together, Tom, and uh, I guess we can say, wow, 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 wow. And it's time for my museum piece of the week, folks. And I hope you enjoy it. These are three rare little mini statues that are tough to get. They're from Russia. Huey, Dewey, Louie? <laughs> Huey, Dewey, and Louie, Tom. <laughs> so let's get to my museum pieces of the week. And here they are. Oh, Larry, Moe, and Shemp. Okay. Right. <laughs> or uh, anyway, you see Eli Wallach, there's Clint. Yep. And there's LVC. There These is. were hand painted by an artist in Russia and uh, took about uh, three months to get here. And I'm very proud do, of it. So, does he do Half Soldier? Half Soldier is, uh, is right next to, to the he's right. Behind the post? Okay. Right. It's it really, he, he felt offended by it, but he still made it for me. But I didn't want to show it because I don't take advantage of uh, the I disabled, gotcha. Tom. Gotcha. But anyway, those were three statues from. What Museum the, piece uh, of the week. What does the sign say on the cross? It says Billy Kids. Billy Kids. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that. I would prefer it said something else, but the guy Uncanone. asked me, Do you want me to put your yeah. name on? And I said, I don't think so. Uncanone. Right. So, any, so anyway, that's the Museum Piece okay. of the Week. And now, folks, it's time for another favorite segment that uh, we have where Tom takes a look at an issue from uh, Westerns All Italiana, and we look at Westerns All, Ita Westerns All Italiana. Okay, <laughs> Tom was just kidnapped. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to invite him again. Okay, Tom, where are you? I think Tom was kidnapped by, uh, they're looking for Jimmy Hoffa and they got Tom instead. Cause I don't have the Westerns all Italiana. Um, I don't have, <laughs> I don't know where Tom went. That's just crazy. Let me fix my green screen. There we go. Uh, hey, whoever took Tom, can you bring him back please? So anyway, oh, there he is. There I am, I'm just trying to keep the expense. The suspense going on here. That's too funny. <laughs> so let's take a look reason. at the Westerns All Italiana Vault, Tom. Oh, the vault. Okay. Well, again, keeping with the subject matter, uh, like I said, one of my favorites is Long Days of Vengeance. Someone sent us a uh, advertisement out of the uh, Italian newspaper, which is sort of cool because we don't see those things over here. And then, Jay, I got a couple of posters. I know you like posters, so. You may have these, but there is the uh, Belgian I, I, poster. I don't, ha I don't have that, Tom. Don't have it. And Excellent. And then I've got, of course. I love the way you handle your posters, Tom. Nice. I don't have that either. That's the German poster. Well, you know why? I'm not a big Gemma poster collector. I know. But you took up the slack, it looks like. So I had a, I had a friend of mine that lived in uh, Colorado. And he was in the service in the 60s in Germany, so he had a connection with collectors over there. And he would get German posters. 
and he would send the list to me and I would get first choice on what I wanted. So I got some, a lot of German posters that way. Oh, okay. So that's it for WAI of the week, huh? It's the WAI vault of the week. Which I always love. That was a magazine that was, um, hard copy from 79 to when Tom? Oh God, 2008. And then it went we, digital. We went digital the last couple of years. Yeah. Awesome. I, I tell everybody search eBay and look for an old, uh, issue because that was the, the only thing you had back in the day before all the, the plethora of books that came out. Well, Seb had some on, uh, the spaghetti western he did have a few yep i had sent him and he copied it like you and put him up there right so now tom it's time for you to tell us what blu-rays are coming out and uh, whose birthday it is and unfortunately who's passed away as we celebrate the weekly news All right, weekly news. Uh, CD reissue this week. Uh, Vado Lamazo Torno, which is Any Gun Can Play, 67. Uh, composer Francesco Damasi. Uh, it was directed by Enzo Castellari and starred George Hilton, Gilbert Rowland, and Ed Burns. Uh, CD is issued by Beat on Beat CDCR91. And this has 16 tracks and 42 minutes of listening pleasure. Contains an eight-page booklet and is limited to a thousand copies. That's the cover on it. It's a little bit different than the original. The original had nine tracks, so this is much better. Also, this week, uh, we were told that the Bud Spencer Museum will open in Berlin, Germany, on June 27th. That's the fifth anniversary of Bud's passing. It was supposed to have opened last year, but the pandemic poo-pooed that, so they're opening it this year on June 27th. And it'll be a permanent museum, so it's not a temporary thing. Uh, passings, we have a South African-born British stage film and TV actor, David Bailey, spelled B-A-I-L-I-E, uh, who died March 5th, 2021 in South Africa. He was 83. Bailey was born in Springs, Gauten, South Africa on December 4th, 1937. Is perhaps best known for his appearance as Taryn Kappel in Robots of Death. Most of us will know him as Cotton in the Pirates of the Caribbean. He appeared in the Sheriff Snow in the 2015 Euro Western called The Timber, which is a brutal snow western. Also, uh, Mexican actress, singer, songwriter Isela Vega died on March 9th, 2021. She was 81. Born Isela Vega Dorazo in Hermosillo, Sonora, Mexico, and was chosen Princess of the Carnival in 1957, which led to a modeling career. In 1960, she began her acting career, which she continued until her death. Her most best-known role was as Elita in Sam Peckinpah's Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. Isela also wrote the song Benny Song, which appeared in the film. She was subsequently photographed nude for the July 74 issue of Playboy magazine. And in 1980s, Vega made her debut behind the camera by writing, producing, and directing a number of films. Vega appeared in the 1981 Euro Western Bordello, also known as Garden of Venus, 
That's with John Ireland, Jorge Rivero. Uh, Chuck Connors is in that also. Uh, Italian film TV voice actress Franca Di Stratus died in Rome, Italy on March 9th, 2021. She was 81. She was born Francesca Di Stratus on April 23rd, 1939 in Italy. Began her career as an actress in theater, radio, television, and films. From the mid-70s on, she devoted herself almost exclusively to dubbing and is remembered mainly for having given the Italian voice to Lindsay Wagner on the TV series The Bionic Woman and the main series from which it sprang, which was a $6 million man. She retired from acting in the early 90s and appeared in the theatrical play In the Hours of the Lynx, directed by Claudio Frosi, and occasionally as a director of dubbing. Frona appeared in one Euro Western as Carmen Morales in The Price of Death, 1971. Uh, birthdays this week. Ida Gali, also known as Evelyn Stewart, turned 82 on March 8th. Lynn Red Redgrave would have been 78 on the 8th. Andrea Leone, Sergio's youngest son, turned 54 on the 9th. Uh, Jave's old um, rooming buddy, Sam Jaffe, would have been 130 on the 10th. Uh, Gerard Tishi <laughs> would have been 101 on the 11th. Carol Andre turned 68 on the 11th. Gerard Herter would have been 101 today. Composer George Delarue would have been 96 today. And Francesca Leone is 57 today. We want to thank you for watching the show. And uh, Tom, what do you always say to everybody? Adios, amigos. Join us next time on the Spaghetti Westerns Podcast. Adios, compañeros!